pastor and pastor's wife. And of course, we have the baby dedication that we just experienced. So today we're going to look into the Word of God into a special passage today that will sort of uh, encourage us all as we enter the new year together. But uh, it is New Year's Day. And uh, I want to know before we get into it, how many of you have New Year's resolutions that you try to keep? Can we see a show of hands of how many people try and do that? Whoa. <laughs> Thank you, Heather. <laughs> One. Okay. Shall I tell you what it is? Maybe you should. It's just one. What is it? I'm going to do a journal of gratitude. Okay. Yes. Very nice. Okay, all right. Now you can hold Heather accountable for that. And the rest of you, you're free for the year, I guess. Well, I have some New Year's resolutions because my family and I moved here just a couple months ago from Pennsylvania, and I told you we're new to the North Country. We're new to New England. So I have some New Year's resolutions um, that only make sense in the North Country. And you'll understand as I go here. Here are my New Year's resolutions. I have seven of them. Seven of them for my new year in the North Country, okay? For those of you who have lived here quite a long time, maybe you'll understand these. Number one is we want to get snow tires for our baby stroller. <laughs> um, we have a baby set to be born at the end of this month, and I heard it could get quite nasty in January. And so if anybody knows where we can get those, come talk to me. It should be a pretty cool stroller. Uh, number two resolution in the North Country is to eat a moose. I want to find a moose, I want to hunt it, I want to cook it, and I want to eat the whole thing by myself. <laughs> eat an entire moose. I'm just teasing. Where are the moose, by the way? My sister bought a sweatshirt that said, got moose. And I'm not sure we do got moose. Do we got moose? Like, you see all these signs, watch out for moose, and they're nowhere to be found. So it's, it's, it's old wives' tale. Here's number three, your New Year's resolution in the North Country is call someone from Massachusetts a flatlander. I just want to do it once. Anyone here want to, want to be my... You flatlander. Got that off my chest. I can cross that one off. Heather, I'm better than you already. Um, got one of those taken care of. How about this? Number four is figure out how many Lahoots ski shops there are and which one is the oldest. They can't all be the oldest, right? Which one... Does anyone actually know? Let's cross this one off right now. Which one is it, Peggy? Okay, are you sure? That's the one I haven't been to. So I've been to the third and fourth oldest. What's that? They used to live upstairs. They did, okay. All right. How many are they actually? Five, six? Eight? Are there really eight? My goodness. It's the one with the oldest sales. Okay. Okay. All right, we're doing well here. These are, good. These are going well. How about this one? Uh, um, this is this one you can't help me with today, unfortunately. It's going to take some time. But I want to try every item from the Chudders candy counter. <laughs> Except for the ones with bugs. I'm going to give those to Janine. They have some with bugs in it. If you don't know, there's like ants and crickets and reptiles. Uh, number six, I want to get a snow tan. I guess up here you don't get sun tan, you get snow tan. Where's the snow? I look forward to getting a snow tan. Someone told me the other day I look pale. I got to get a snow tan. So I want to get a snow tan, a real one. And number seven, New Year's resolution for the new year in the North Country is I want to go downhill skiing. 
in virtual reality. <laughs> so if anyone can help me out with that, that would be wonderful. Those are my New Year's resolutions for the North Country. And it is New Year's Day. We're thankful that it's New Year's Day because New Year's Day represents newness and freshness. And we just happen to have that here at Crossroads Church. We're in the middle of a transition. And today we're going to talk about a lesson that sort of makes sense with this transition that we're dealing with. If you have your Bibles, turn them with me to Hebrews. Hebrews chapter 13. We'll get to the screen here in a little bit. But I simply want to read two verses from Hebrews chapter 13. And we'll begin with this and we'll end with this today. As we talk about follow your leaders. We don't know who wrote the book of Hebrews. A lot of people think it was the Apostle Paul. I'm not entirely sure. But in Hebrews chapter 13, verses 7 to 8, the writer of Hebrews says this. Remember your leaders, those who spoke to you the word of God. Consider the outcome of their way of life and imitate their faith. Jesus Christ is the same yesterday, today, and forever. Amen. Amen. Now, today is a special day, but it's also a bittersweet day, because today we say thank you to Pastor Mark and Cynthia for their years of faithful service to both the Lord and to Crossroads Church, a very long-tenured ministry. And we hope and we believe we don't have to say a final goodbye to them, because we're fairly certain the Lord will return them to us down the road, but in a maybe slightly different capacity. But as an official manner, as our official leaders... We are saying goodbye and thank you to these amazing servants of the Lord, and uh, we are so grateful, and I've only known the tip of the iceberg. And today happens to be New Year's Day, a day of fresh beginnings and new hopes for a new year, and that is fitting because Crossroads Church is experiencing a change in leadership. And just like the new year offers us some things at Crossroads Church are going to be brand new, and that's a good thing. That's how it's supposed to be. But as we're going to be reminded from God's word today, the past should continue to serve us going into the future. Today we're going to understand the analogy of building. Any builders here today? Okay, we have more resolutions than builders. No builders? Okay. We're all going to learn something new here today. We're going to see the analogy of building and how it compares to serving the Lord Jesus and building the kingdom of God. I think it's interesting and powerful Example and right before our eyes that the past and the future are coming together to serve the same Lord and the same kingdom at the same church. And as we'll discover, both the past and the future are essential to building. But what is this building analogy and where do we find it? Well, I'm going to have you turn your Bibles now to Ephesians, and you'll see it on the screen. Ephesians chapter 2. And I want to show you where this building analogy comes from because it comes right out of the Word of God. Ephesians chapter 2, we're going to start in verses 19 and go to verses 22. And listen to the analogy of building. This is the Apostle Paul speaking this time. He said this, So then, you were no longer strangers and aliens. And that verse might sound familiar right after the baby dedication, right? We're no longer strangers and aliens, but we are fellow citizens with the saints and members of the household of God, built on the foundation of the apostles and prophets, Christ Jesus himself being the cornerstone, 
in whom the whole structure being joined together grows into a holy temple in the Lord. In him you also are being built together into a dwelling place for God by the Spirit. Now, there are many analogies for the church in the scriptures. One of them is a family. We are the family of God. It comes right out of the scriptures. God says the church is a family. So you people here sitting today, if you believe in Jesus, are my brothers and sisters, and vice versa. The scriptures also call the church a body. Did you know that? The body of Christ. It's like a body. There are many different parts with many different skill sets, but they all work for the same common goal of functioning as a body. The scripture also compares the church to the bride, the bride of Christ. We are much like a bride in the sense that we are waiting for our bridegroom, our coming bridegroom one day, and right now we are preparing ourselves to meet him. So the church is a family, it's a body, and it's the bride of Christ, but it's also like a structure or a building. The Lord is right now building an entire eternal structure called the church. And we, all of us, Christ followers, if you follow Jesus Christ, are part of that eternal structure. When Paul says the word structure, he's not referring to anything physical except for the people. So I don't want you to think of this building we're in here today or any building at all. That's not what Paul is referring to. Paul is referring to an eternal family of God. But he's going to compare it to a structure. Because he often used physical metaphors to help us make sense of spiritual concepts. So the family of God is like a structure. It's like a glorious, eternal structure. And it's not made by human hands. It's made by God himself. And this structure is spiritual, and it's eternal. And those who love Jesus get to be a part of this glorious, eternal structure built by God. And that's pretty cool. And this glorious, eternal structure called the church is the only part of this world that is eternal. The only thing. The only thing that will remain when the end comes is the church of Jesus. Consider that for a moment. Nothing else in the entire world is going to last forever except this structure called the church of Jesus. That will go on forever and ever and ever. And I want you to see this in the Word of God. We're going to make a couple notes here in Ephesians on our screen here. If you can't see it, I apologize. I couldn't give everyone the best angle, but now you know if I do this again where to sit, right? <laughs> you guys got the prime seats here. And I apologize to those online. It's probably not going to look fantastic, but we're going to do our best. Paul says in verse 19, So then, based on everything he's talked about in chapter 2, which I encourage you to read, he says, You are no longer strangers and aliens. You're no longer strangers. Strangers to what? Well, strangers to God. And I apologize for my messy handwriting. But we're no longer strangers to God. Did you know at one time we were strangers to God? In fact, that comes right out of Scripture as well. Let's bump ahead to 1 Peter chapter 2. Paul, excuse me, Peter speaking now. He says, but you are a chosen race, a royal priesthood, a holy nation, a people for his own possession, that you may proclaim the excellencies of him who called you out of darkness into his marvelous light. Listen to this. Once you were not a people, but now you are God's people. Once you had not received mercy, but now you have received mercy. Did you understand that? That at some point in your life, 
You were a stranger and an alien to God and to the kingdom of heaven. You didn't belong there. You didn't belong with him. And we just talked about the concept of adoption. There was a time that we were not with God. He was not our father. He was not watching over us with that fatherly love. We were strangers and aliens to him. But thankfully, because of one person and because of one sacrifice, everything changed. Everything. We went from strangers and aliens to where Paul says, but you are now fellow citizens and, excuse me, citizens with the saints and members of the household of God. Now my sister's here today. Are you a dual citizen? Are you a citizen in both? Resident of Germany. My sister lives most of her time in Berlin, Germany. And to be a citizen is quite the process. If anyone's ever gone through that here in the States, that's quite a process to become a citizen of the United States if you weren't born here. That takes a long process. But because of what Jesus Christ has done in an instant, we, become, we go from strangers and aliens to fellow citizens with the saints. Now, who is he talking about there? Well, pick your saint. Moses, Abraham. David, Daniel, Joseph, Elijah. Pick your favorite Old Testament person. Sarah, Hannah, Esther, Peter, Paul, James, John. We are now fellow citizens with the saints and members of the household of God because of Jesus. Now I have seven kids. Most of you guys know that by now. And from time to time, I... My mom and my sister will take a couple kids with them and do fun things with them. And then eventually they return them because they don't want them for good. And we keep thinking that one day they'll just take half and our load will be easier. But they keep returning them. And uh, every now and then my, my doorbell will ring at our house. And uh, the kids love the doorbell. And so they'll ring it like 12 times. And I'll go to the doorbell and, or go to the door and there are my kids standing there. And unless I'm teasing them, because sometimes dads do that, um, I open the door for my kids and I let them into my household because guess what they are? They're members of the household of the walkers. They belong there. They belong with us. So I open the door. They walk in freely with confidence because they are house, members of the household of the walker family. Well, you and I, because of what Jesus has done, are members of the household of God. And that's an amazing fact. We are one day going to walk confidently into the kingdom of God because we belong there. Because we are sons and daughters of the Almighty God. And the only reason for that is because Jesus Christ died for us. Jesus Christ allowed us to be adopted into his family so that we could be with God for all eternity. And do you know the safest place to be for the rest of eternity is with God? Another thing I do when I'm with my children is at night... I will lock the door. I will lock the children in with their mother and their father because that is the safest place to be. One day the kingdom of heaven is going to open up and we will enter. And then God is going to shut those doors for the rest of eternity because the safest place for us to be is in the presence of the almighty God for all eternity. So Paul says, this is built on the foundation of of the apostles and prophets, Christ Jesus himself being the cornerstone. Now that might not mean a lot to us, 
But that's a really interesting concept if you're a builder and especially a builder in the day. Foundation and cornerstone. Now I'm going to do something here a little risky. And I'm not going to do this a lot because I'm not good at this. Um, I'm going to draw. And um, bear with me, okay? This is not my spiritual gift, drawing. And you'll notice that here in a minute. But I'm going to do my best. I'm going to try to draw a, a picture of what Paul is describing here, okay? And it's a very simple picture. You can, you can imagine it on your own. You don't need me to draw it, but I'm going to do it anyways, okay? He's talking about a foundation. Okay, there's a really bad foundation. But there, there's a foundation that Paul is talking. There's a foundation to this building, this structure that he's making, okay? And we're going to call it the gospel, the good news that Jesus Christ came to this earth to die for our sins so that we could be adopted into the family of God and have our sins forgiven. But he doesn't stop there. He doesn't just say we have a great foundation called the news of the gospel. He says, no. Jesus himself is the cornerstone of that foundation. Jesus himself is your foundation. Not just the news that he came, although that's a good enough, but Jesus himself is going to hold up this structure by himself for the rest of eternity. And you know, according to Hebrews, right now he upholds the universe with the word of his power. Do you guys know how big the universe is? And it says in Hebrews, he holds it up with a word. And one day he's going to hold up the entire structure of the church by himself. Because unless we have Jesus Christ, this structure is going to collapse no matter when that would happen. And it's not going to happen, thankfully. But if Jesus would ever step away from this structure, down it goes immediately. Now, the prophets, Paul said, continued to build upon this message. And they built upon the gospel, and they built upon Jesus himself. Now, the interesting thing about the prophets is, chronologically, they came before Jesus came to the earth, didn't they? So they didn't even know his name they didn't know a lot of details about Jesus Christ. All they knew is that a Messiah was coming, a Savior was coming. And they were commanded to speak about the Savior Messiah in their prophecies. So they did. They spoke about Jesus even though they didn't know his name. And if you read Isaiah chapter 53, it is verbatim about the Lord Jesus Christ. And everything that happens, Jesus fulfills. So the prophets built upon this message called the gospel. And then Paul says, there came another group. called the apostles. The apostles came after Jesus Christ died, was buried, and rose again and went back to heaven. The apostles came and instituted the church. But guess what the apostles did? They did nothing new. They built upon the prophets, which built upon the gospel, which stands upon Jesus Christ. They continued to labor and build upon the message of the gospel because they knew this is the only way to build the structure properly. And then the apostles passed, and they had a, handed the torch to another group. And it's kind of a group that stands before you today. Pastors and leaders like pastors were given the torch to continue to build upon the same message. The apostles and the prophets and the gospel and upon Jesus himself. And that's what we're doing here today. That's what the church is doing today. The good ones, the right ones, are building upon the exact same message that the prophets did and the apostles did 
And now we're building that same structure. We're not doing away with the old. That wouldn't make any sense. We would be right where we were. We continue to build upon it. And guess what happens? I'm going to show you an actual picture now of a tower. This tower is being built right before our eyes, right now. Every time someone gets saved, every time someone comes into the family of God, this tower continues to get bigger and stronger and more beautiful. And one day, it's not a physical structure again, it's a spiritual thing, but one day this tower is going to reach into the heavens, into heaven, for the rest of eternity, and it's going to be magnificent. And right now, this tower is being built, but it has to be built the proper way. It has to be built upon the proper foundation that the prophets and the apostles who built upon Jesus Christ. And here's where the really powerful part of this passage comes into forefront. And I asked my wife to help me draw. But I want you to notice something here before we get there. Paul says this, built on the foundation of the apostles and prophets, Christ Jesus being the cornerstone, we'll come back to that, in whom the whole structure being joined together grows into a holy temple in the Lord. In him you also are being built into a dwelling place by for God by the Spirit. Do you notice the word? It's a different color here. Together? That's an important word. He mentions it twice in two verses. We're being built into a structure, but we're being built into a structure together. And if you build and you know what building takes, it takes a lot of different pieces coming together to make one single structure. Now, my wife did this freehand, okay? but she's a much better drawer than I did. I tried to draw something similar and it looked like a marshmallow cake. And I said, that's not gonna work. I'm not going for a marshmallow cake. I'm going for a pyramid or a building. And Janine said, slide it over. And uh, she took over from there. So you can at least get the sense of where we're going now, right? That's not a marshmallow cake. Um, but you, you can see what's going on here. The, the gospel is the foundation. Jesus Christ is the cornerstone. But guess what happens in this structure? You and me are built into the structure. We're upon this temple that God is building that's going to last and stand for the rest of time. And one time, Paul brings us out, we were once strangers and aliens to God. And now not only does he know us, not only has he adopted us, but now he is constructing this magnificent building and structure, and you and I are integral parts of that. And that is supposed to be powerful because that's what Paul is going for. But you have to remember it has to be built the proper way because this is the church. And the only church of Jesus Christ is the one that builds upon the foundation that the apostles and prophets laid. And they laid upon the gospel of Jesus Christ, which laid upon Jesus himself. If there's anything besides that that is called the church, it's not the church. If anyone is building on their own methods and their own tactics, and Jesus Christ is not the cornerstone, and the foundation is not the gospel, you don't have the church, and therefore it's not going to last for the rest of eternity. But Paul says this, we're built on the foundation of the apostles and prophets, which is important, really important, but this is the crucial part, with Christ Jesus himself being the chief cornerstone, this parade here. And that's on purpose, okay? Jesus Christ is supposed to be the only one that gets the credit and glory for this structure. Now, the building is important. Every time you build a house, you don't just do a foundation and do away with it and go, there we go, good foundation. No, you continue to build upon that house and make it beautiful 
And that's what the church is happening right now with the church. But we have to remember that without that cornerstone, without that peace, none of it makes any sense. And none of it's going to last. And none of it will bring God any glory. But if it does, if Jesus is the cornerstone, if we build upon the gospel and the prophets and the apostles, then not only will it last, but it will bring God glory for the rest of time. And we get to be an important, integral part of that structure called the church. So when you think about church, you typically think about a building or a service or maybe the leaders, and Paul doesn't want us to think about that. He wants us to think about a temple, a structure, a spiritual structure that God is making that is built upon his people, his adopted people. And so now we come back to Hebrews, Hebrews chapter 13. And this is where it makes sense with where we're going today and what this service is kind of about today. Paul says this, Therefore, if you understand the concept of building and the analogy he's using, he says, remember your leaders. Remember your leaders. Those who spoke to you the word of God, because that's the foundation. Those who spoke to you this, this message right here, the prophets, the apostles, and Christ Jesus himself. Remember your leaders, those who did that for you. And not only remember them, like, yeah, I remember their names, and I remember they were here with us, and I remember we had some good times together. He says, no, it's much deeper than that. It's much more important than that. He says, consider the outcome of their way of life and imitate their faith. Because they're building properly. And they're building upon the foundation of the apostles and the prophets and Jesus himself. And therefore, the writer of Hebrews says, do likewise. Build your life the way that your leaders taught you to build and the way they learned to build because they all learned from Jesus. And if you listen to your leaders, you will build the proper way and you will be a part of this amazing eternal structure called the church. So the church is an investment. It's an investment. The best word I can use to describe the church is an investment because the more you give to it, the more you get back from it. The more time, the more energy, the more talents, the more monies, the more prayer you give to the church, the greater and stronger this thing becomes and the more beautiful it becomes right before our eyes. And the word investment is interesting because it's not just... Boy, I get to be a part of something great for a short time. No, an investment means it's going to be long-term and it's going to pay back everything you've put into it. If this goes right according to the way God has taught us, then this church is going to stand for the rest of time and it's actually going to be our dwelling place for the rest of eternity. And any builder and anyone who's ever been a part of a building knows what that's like. You put your blood, sweat, and tears into a building and then you get to live in it. And if you've built your own home, you know what that's like. You get to live in the very home that you helped build. And that's what, this, well, that's what we're doing here with this church. It's not a community club. Okay? It's not a country club. It's not just a gathering place. It's not just something to do up on a Sunday. We're building the eternal structure of God. And we're doing it by God's grace and by God's strength. And we're doing it upon God's Son. And if we do it, and we do it well, and we do it long term, this thing will last for the rest of eternity. And today is a special day. It's a bittersweet day. But this is kind of what we're going for today. 
Because the writer of Hebrews says, remember those who led you. And for 13 years, Pastor Mark and Cynthia have led Crossroads Church. And from every angle I look at it from, they've led well. They've led the way the prophets and the apostles taught them and who Jesus taught them. They've continued to build the structure properly for 13 straight years. And from my understanding, when they were here, it was a little bit of a Bible study, just a few people. And now we have a gathering and a building, and we have a structure here. And a lot of that is to their labors and their faithful building. And so the writer of Hebrews says, remember them. But don't just remember them. Don't just remember their names and think about you know, who they are as people and their personalities. He says, go deeper than that. Consider the result of their conduct and imitate their faith. Because that's the point. Follow the leader. It means do what they do. Imitate their faith so that you can go the exact way that they're going because they're following Jesus. And I had Pastor Mark read that passage from 1 Corinthians 11 where Paul says, follow me as I follow Christ. Imitate me as I imitate Christ. And now the writer of Hebrews says the same thing. Remember your leaders and follow your leaders because they imitated Christ. And remember them. And we're going to do that. We're going to do the best of our ability to not only remember Pastor Mark and Cynthia, and hopefully they'll be with us again, but, but to consider the result of their way of life and imitate their faith. And I'm thankful. I'm thankful to be here. I'm thankful to be a part of this. And in much, in every way, I'm, I'm on their coattails, am I not? And so right now, this, today, we're heading, sort of handing the baton over to new leaders and it also makes sense for you to follow your new leaders because guess what? They were chosen by God. And if anyone needs that confirmation, we could share you an amazing story of how God brought us here because it was God's plan for us to be here. It was our God's plan for us to step into the shoes of Pastor Mark and Cynthia. And there's a little bit of a picture of our family, but I want to give you some stats that I found about pastors. And I don't know how accurate these are, but I think they're pretty close from my experience. It says 97% of pastors have been betrayed, falsely accused, or hurt by their trusted friends. 70% of pastors battle depression. 7,000 churches close every year. 1,500 pastors quit each month. 10% will retire a pastor. Now we're thankful to have one retiring as a pastor, but it's in the minority. 80% of pastors feel discouraged. 94% of pastors' families feel the pressure of ministry. 78% of pastors have no close friends. And 90% of pastors report working 55 to 75 hours every week. And then the goal at the end here is simply to pray for your pastor, not to feel bad about your pastor. The pastor has chosen this calling, in a sense. God also chose it for him, but the pastor has to say yes to that. And the pastor has counted the cost of what that would look like. And it's not a sad story. It's not a sob story. It's simply to say, pray for them. Because these are your leaders. Leaders are a gift from God to the church so that we can all build the proper way. But we have to remember the most crucial thing about this passage. Pastors come and go. The prophets came and went. The apostles came and went. There will be a changing of guard and leadership our entire lives. And that's just how this thing goes. 
But that's not supposed to give us comfort. This is supposed to give us comfort. Jesus Christ is the same yesterday, today, and forever. The cornerstone will remain the cornerstone for the rest of eternity. Not even the rest of our lives, but for the rest of eternity. And so if you invest in the church, if we invest in the church, if we build this proper way, if we remember our leaders, if we go the same way, then we will stand upon the shoulders of our Lord Jesus for the rest of eternity. And we will be a part of the dwelling place of God. And that's remarkable to think about. I love this proverb. Proverb 18.10 says, The name of the Lord is a strong tower. The righteous run to it and are safe. There's an analogy of building and structure in the word of God that wants us to understand that what we're doing here as the church is really, really, really important. In fact, it's so important Nothing else can compare with it. You can be an amazing doctor or nurse or politician or firefighter or pick any job you want. The church trumps that. Did you know that? And the reason for that is because it's built upon the Lord Jesus Christ and because it's eternal. Everything we know is going to pass away except for one single structure. And that's the church of Jesus Christ. And it's built upon the strong shoulders of our Lord Jesus. And I am thankful to be a part of that structure, and I hope you are too. Before we close here, I wanted you to see a uh, complexity of Scripture, because there are many. But this is one that's always blown my mind. Uh, I had my wife paint, I told you she's kind of an artist. I had her paint John 15, 5 and put it on a canvas, and we put it in her house, and I look at it a lot. And it's where Jesus says, I am the true vine, you are the branches, apart from me, You could do nothing. And the point isn't to discourage you. The point is to encourage you to stay near the true vine. Stay connected to the true vine so that you can do much. And then Paul takes it from the other angle in Philippians 4.13. He says, I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. Do you see the difference? On one side, nothing. On the other side, all things. And what's the catalyst? Jesus Christ is the same yesterday, today, and forever. If you build upon him, if you build upon his gospel, if you build upon his prophets and his apostles and his pastors, you will have the greatest purpose in the history of mankind because you will be a part of the dwelling place of God, the church. And I hope that encourages you today because we do have a change of leadership happening, but nothing crucial is changing today. Nothing. Because Jesus Christ remains the same yesterday, today, and forever. And your new pastor and leaders have every intention to build the exact same way that Pastor Mark and Cynthia did for 13 years. Because that's what the apostles did. And that's what the prophets did. And that's what Jesus Christ taught us. So remember your leaders who spoke to you the word of God. Consider the outcome of their way of life and imitate their faith. And I think the best way to give the legacy to Pastor Mark and Cynthia that they deserve is not by a cake, which we'll give them, and cards, which we'll give them, and hugs, which they'll get whether they want them or not. Um, And I know they do. But the best legacy we can give them is to carry on. Carry on building carry on building the exact same way, the exact same method on the exact same person. 
And now, if you agree with me, it's time to build, or it's time to continue to build. And I hope that you would join your leaders in that building process, wherever you are on that spectrum. Maybe you've been here longer than I have, been building longer than I have, and I'm just going to come in and join you. And maybe this is your first time. Maybe you're not even following Jesus yet. But maybe something has sparked your interest today to say, wow, I want to be a part of the greatest purpose there is, which is the church of Jesus Christ. And I ask that today you'd have those conversations with God, with your pastors, with your friends, with your brothers and sisters in Christ, so that we can continue to build the way God has taught us, so that when Jesus comes back to gather, the only thing he's going to get from this earth is the church. I hope that you would be a part of that and have labored, just like Pastor Mark and Cynthia have done, right before our eyes for so many years. Can we bow in prayer? Father, it is a bittersweet day. We are thankful for leaders, but it's it's sad when those leaders have to step away from us and there's no way around it. And so we're sad in a sense, but we're also grateful. We're grateful for a long-tenured leadership and example that was given to this church of how to follow Jesus. I thank you that not only did they teach it, Father, but they lived it before our eyes. And for the last two months, I've been able to see up close exactly what that looks like. And I'm thankful for that. And I'm thankful for those who have been able to watch it and witness it longer than I have. And Father, now as we change leadership, we ask that nothing would change. Nothing important. We'd continue to build this exact same way for the rest of our lives here upon the earth so that Jesus Christ can continue to shine upon this dark world and so that we can be a part of the most amazing structure ever built, the Church of Jesus Christ. I thank you for that privilege today, and I pray that you would receive the glory and honor because it's all because of Jesus. And we thank you and praise you in Jesus' name. Amen.